Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. This morning we kick off a new series called All of Me for All of You. It's a pretty dangerous statement. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a scary one even. And this is a prayer that personally we have been making. This was birthed out of a moment with us on a retreat in December, thinking about we're going into 17. What is the essence of what we need? Where do we want to be? What do we want to do? And what we found was all we need is really God. We're not sure of how everything will play out. We're not inclined to know all the sequences of events that will take place. We're not sure of all the world catastrophes that will take place. We don't know what's going to always hit Lansing. But we know there's a constant in the midst of it all. And if we could somehow position our hearts to be connected to the unconditional love, then we would be positioned correctly. I know what happens too often is over time we have gotten hurt. We've gotten let down. And so we have disappointments. And so what that does is it calluses and we actually even build up walls. We've had friends that have betrayed us. We've betrayed friends. We've had job situations that have let us down. If you've ever sold and you've done commissions, and one time when you get your commission report, sometimes it's always short, and now you're fighting for your sales. Seems like you were supposed to get a raise and you don't. And so our heart is so set up to be guarded, constantly saying, no, I don't want to let you in. I got this wall up. I don't want you to come in. I remember when I started dating uh, in the Lord and, and met Crystal, I didn't want to, to, to tell her I love her because I'm like, what if she doesn't tell me I love you back? There's probably some people in the room that you haven't even shared the deepest part of your insecurities and your worries and your concerns to the closest people to you because you're afraid they, if they saw you for who you really were, they would run. If they saw your flaws, would they stay? If they knew all of your issues, would they stay? And so what happens is, and we can do this with God, is we say, God, I love you when you're doing this and, and, you're, and you're responding in the way that I want you to respond. I love you when you're advancing. I love you when you just forgive me. I love you when you respond in, to my prayers. I love you when you allow me to go to the right restaurants I like. But you know what? There is a bridge behind me, because if you let me down at some point, I'm going to go back to my special bridge, my own little trap door that I've kept and hidden for myself. We can't hide anything from God. But you know what? Over time, we start to, because of our hurt and our pain, we have these bridges. And what we saw even in our own lives is thinking, all right, if we're going into 17 and we're dreaming and saying, God, what do you want to do through the church? What do you want to do in this city? Are we going to have opt-out clauses? Meaning if, if, if money doesn't get where it's need to because of the, the, the cities we want to impact, the, the parts of the city we want to impact, the block we want to impact, if we can't do the initiatives we want, are then we done? What about if we can't add staff and we can't get paid, are we done then? What about if God doesn't uh, allow our houses to expand because some of us are living in pretty tight corridors, are we done then? What about if so-and-so uh, constantly um, keeps betraying me, am I done then? What about if I keep having tough meetings back to back to back, am I done? then. So we can say, God, all of me for all of you. But I'll tell you what, that is tough and it's scary. But today I want to invite us in the greatest invitation that has ever taken place to allow God to have complete control of our life. It is the safest. It is the most securest. It is the most sound. It is the most profound thing to not let only Jesus be your savior, but your Lord. 
and he can demand some radical claims. And we think Jesus, so uh, there's a blog post on getrooted.org if you want to read it. It's Jesus, why so serious? Jesus, why, so se- why are you so serious? And one time there's this person that wants to follow him and he says, first, if you want to follow me, he's like, or he's like, follow me. And the person's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. But I got my dad's funeral. I'll be back and then I'll follow you. And he says, look, let the dead bury the dead. I've read that over and over. Thinking, what is up with Jesus? Is that the heartbeat in this moment? Don't let your dad's funeral take place. And I'll tell you, if we see just moments like that and we come into the story and zoom in on Jesus in these, in these isolated incidents without understanding the whole heartbeat of God, we'll miss this opportunity that we have today to say all of me for all of you. And today, before we look at throughout these weeks ahead, some of the really hard truths Jesus shares, hard statements he makes, hard decisions. He, some say my way or the highway. And if you think about it, if it is his world, if it is his people, if it is his authority, if it is his ability to forgive, he can say my way or the highway. And in the coming weeks, we're gonna look at some very hard, bold, contrasting exchanges that can take place. And you'll see some people walk away with their bridge. They walk away with their own little life, their trap door. And others respond radically and they gain something that this world can't offer. This world can't offer the things that Jesus can offer. And today we're gonna look at a highlighted story that I think encapsulates, it, it encompasses all of the Bible of what God's heartbeat is, of how he responds to humanity. And we're gonna find it's very relatable to us and we'll see which side of Jesus we're on. And hopefully today, as we marvel at all of God is, we're left so transformed that we'll never be the same. We're gonna go to Luke 15 and we're gonna look at the prodigal son. And we see that header in your Bibles as prodigal son, that header isn't there initially. That's something we put on later. It's a story trying to tell us what is God's love like? How does God show up on a scene? Where does God show up? Does he show up like I'm at? If I'm in the gym, does he show up there? If I'm at the club, does he show up there? If I'm broken and and I'm struggling at my job, does he show up there? What about when I'm battling addiction? Does he show up there? What about when I keep letting him down? Does he show up there? Does he care? How does he respond to the darkness that's in our hearts and in our lives? I think what we're gonna find is that we can relate so deeply to these two brothers in this story. And behind the story, Jesus in this chapter, there's, there's three things that he talks about that the kingdom of heaven rejoices and celebrates over. It's like a lost sheep that once you find your lost sheep, we celebrate. It's like once we find the lost coin, we celebrate. Anybody ever been looking for their phone and been on it? (laughs) Right, we celebrate. Oh my goodness, that feels so dumb. Extra dumb has been the term we've been thinking of lately. It's just extra dumb. I've been on my phone, where is it? It's extra dumb. Jesus is talking about how he loves the heartbeat of God to love lost things. Luke 15, it starts in verse one. And here's the backdrop. Here's what's going on. Here's the specific. And then there's gonna be a story. 
So specific instance of what is being seen is now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Two crowds saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The word receive there. When we think receives, oh, that's cool. I'll receive that gift. That's so nice. Jesus, come here, little kids. We'll receive you. But the word literally means to eagerly await. Think of when a soldier is coming back home from war and you watch the video and the family's all set up and they're anticipating the arrival of their son, their friend, their brother. They're, they're all there. They got the signs out, eagerly anticipating the return of the soldier. Now a soldier returns from a noble, a noble act, meaning they're submitted, they're trying to do what's right in the eyes of their authority, their position, and they're trying to not be dishonorably discharged, but they're trying to be honorably discharged. And the family's excited because they haven't seen them and they've been gone away for a really long time because the family's heartbeat is to see their friend, their, their, their brother, their son, and they celebrate like crazy. God is eagerly awaiting and anticipating the arrival of sinners to celebrate them. What an interesting imagery here. And so you have those that are great teachers that have done a lot of great things for God that actually possess the authority of God. So they got the microphones, they got the clothes, they know what it's all about. They're, they're, God's trying to work through them. God's trying to bring his mercy and his kingdom through them. And they're sitting there for the very thing that God cares most about, look and say, mm, what is going on with Jesus who is this new prophet? What's up with Jesus? Why is Jesus responding this way? He receives them. Yes, he eagerly anticipates to receive them. He's thinking about them often, often. In verse 11, it says this. This passage is the Bible. This passage is the gospel. This passage is God's heartbeat this morning for all of me, for all of you. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, Give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Wow. We're going to read this and we're going to go back to it. Luke 15, 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he had came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger and I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still at a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us all eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They started to party, y'all. In verse 25, now his older son who was in the field, 
And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music, he heard the dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf, but he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, when this son of yours come, came, you de who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive and is lost and is found. Let's go back and just talk about the story this morning. Two sons. Jesus is interesting because once he's going to start describing what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's going to answer the critique of the religious leaders that should know what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's going to give a story, and the story that becomes the longer of the three things that were lost is about two sons. Two sons, we start to relate because we care most about people. I mean, people have hurt us. That's why we sometimes replace them with an animal. Some of us, that's the extent of the, the, the love we have. They don't, they, they don't talk back. In fact, I tell them, sit. One time I lost my cat. I loved, I loved my cat. It was a little girl. I lost her. I was looking for her everywhere all the time. That's what was her name, little girl. It's like a little Siamese cat. And, and since then, you know what I found? Um, Cat owners, you are awesome, right? I own cat most of my life. It's amazing. But what I found is you'll cover up for your cat more than anything that you would for any person, right? You'll be like, oh, my cat just pees because it's territorial. Or, you know, it's just every cat owner. Or my dog just barks because they don't know you. And, you know, and, and we'll, we'll actually defend our animals more than we will our people. Well, look at that person. I can't believe they did that. Well, they're not, they're not deserving of grace anymore. And I was eagerly anticipating to find my cat. Well, God is even more. And now he's trying to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's eagerly anticipating to show you what two sons look like with the father. The father cares. Now, the father in this moment in Luke 15, 11, you see, he has two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property amongst them. Now, Jesus doesn't elaborate how the father felt. They would know how the father felt. This would be humiliating because to have an inheritance and to not pass it on um, after death would be humiliating. To, for the father to still be alive and to break down the share of the, of the family's estate that's humiliating. So the request by the younger son is outlandish. He's asking for something that is so unreasonable. He's already, now he's, he's betraying the family, betraying the name. He's so ridiculous. And it says instantly, the father's like, okay, fine. Here's divide the share. Knowing, because the father represents God here. Knowing exactly what will take place. Because he knows will be the end and the outcome. Sometimes God has to just allow you to indulge in all of your selfishness and my selfishness and our selfishness because he's hoping that it'll allow you to come back to him. So he divides this property. And then you see the younger son, he gathered all he had. It was not many days later. So he's got all the money. It's great, thank you. Trust fund baby, 18, 
Mom, you can't tell me ain't nothing. I earned this money. You earned the money. It's the family's money. Right, forget you, I'm out. You start to get a little angry about this younger brother. You start to read it like this, unpack it. You start to read the story over and over and over again. You find the Bible is just condensed. It's dense with truth. There's layer upon layer and layer of truth. God knew exactly how he's describing the story to tug on all of our emotions. Think how reckless this would be, how scandalous would be. And he goes and he spends everything, everything. Money ain't a thing. He's just, yeah, spending it all, spending it all. You got to get imagery for today because this is reckless for then. Reckless, scandalous, top royalty name. And then this individual is going to be at the bottom of the bottom. Think of any scandal you could think of nowadays as somebody that left the home, left the name, and is betraying it. And then the tabloids pick it up and they watch them. This individual is just spending everything. And a severe famine arose in the country because sin is good for a moment. You feel free, but then you recognize you jumped out of the airplane and you got no parachute. You're like, oh, this is awesome. Yes, I love it. I love it. Anyone who's been entangled in sin, you know you love it for a moment. The very thing that was used to pry and and pull you close to fulfill a desire, which was a lack that you had in your life, we were looking for something. We're all looking to belong. We're people that want to be accepted. We want to feel the need to be alive. We want to be engaged. We want to find ourselves so activated that a lot of times the only thing we seek that could activate us is all the ploys that the enemy puts in front of us. So eventually our willpower is so low, our community is so weak, our word of God is so shallow and we just find ourselves giving in. It sucks. It's horrible. It's dark. It's wicked. It's crummy. It's horrible. And then we hit the ground, the famine, and he began to be in need. Sin is good for a moment, but it does not promise. It does not deliver on his promise. What it promises is When it comes to collect, when Satan comes to collect, it's wicked. It hurts. So that he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens in this country who sent him into his fields to be feed the pigs. Verse 16. We're still in 16. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Think of this, royalty, top of the class, as far as economically, position and posture. And here he is now, he's sold himself out. He just wants to work for a particular individual that's farming pigs. And you could even think how the Jews could hear this in this particular time to even think that there's pigs, pigs are unclean. So this individual has now squandered everything with his reckless living. And we think reckless living, you can expand on that. As far as you can think sin takes, that's exactly what it means. The reckless living, reckless living, prostitution, gambling, brokenness. And he just, now he wants to long to be fed with the pigs. He's saying, oh, wow, they eat here, but no one gave him anything. And then what happens in verse 17? It's the moment. Some of us today, we need a moment of clarity. Some of us, we can remember the moment of clarity where we woke up. And I think for others, we're going to need a a recorrection because we didn't realize we needed a moment of clarity. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread? When the son comes back home, it's a good day. 
but I perish here with hunger and I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned. And he goes on to this repentance and he arose and he came to his father. And here you see the father still long off. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son, the things, the desires he said, he actually now says them before the father. Repentance oftentimes looks like this. I'm the judge for somebody else, but when it comes to me, I'm the lawyer. Hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Okay, now off to the new thing. Hey, you messed up. We need to talk about that. In fact, we need to put rules and provision in place to make sure it does not happen again. In fact, you've hurt me so many times. I can't allow this continue to happen. You see how our hearts find ourselves on all different sides of where God is at throughout this story. And here the son, the younger brother, comes and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. You need to pause there because here's what repentance looks like. First thing repentance looks like, I have sinned against heaven, the Father. That's the first thing. Is God our highest accountability? Is he our highest accountability? Are we afraid of him? And here's the interesting thing about sin. Sin isn't just some effect we have. It's not something that we just carry every once in a while. Sin makes us dead. We are dead because of our sin. We can't make ourselves right. And this is where the gospel is so liberating, so freeing. You might've seen it as just a good works thing where Jesus says, here's what you have to do to get all of me. And you have to give me all of you. Here's your list. When actually the gospel says, you will never be able to do it. You'll never be good enough. And this one message can transform every area of your life. Because if you recognize that you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace through faith alone in my son, what you'll find now is a new freedom. You'll find a new life. You'll exchange in a posture that is worth everything because Jesus has the authority to say so. Otherwise, this is all a joke. Now, if he didn't raise from the dead, we're of all people to be most pitied. But if he did raise from the dead, then he possesses a power that we should all be intrigued about. Because death is the final, you talk about space is the final frontier, death is the final frontier. Death is the thing that awaits us all, that whoever possesses the power for the next step, then by all means, then I will need their power today. And I need a savior for that type of entrance because that is more significant than anything I'll face here. I've sat before uh, in a courtroom and it's not fun. You're intimidated. The judge, it's intimidating. And when you, we sit before God, it should be intimidating. We should respond and intimidated. God, I am, a, I am in awe. I'm, I'm afraid, uh, but a healthy fear because I recognize you're a good judge. And here's what he says. You'll never be good enough. And that's why he sends the new attorney, the new lawyer. He steps in. Jesus takes the whole case. He becomes the whole person that you see. He, he's guiltless, but then he becomes the guilty. He becomes everything. And we exchange in that moment. He becomes the stamp. But the posture of the younger brother is this. The posture is coming with so repented heart against God alone and then against the father. I've sinned against you. So I've sinned against man. I'm so sorry. And he says this. He doesn't even embrace. You gotta catch this this morning. Listen up. Gotta lean in for this one. He doesn't just instantly demand that he should be a son again. He says, I'll just be a servant. Let me just be the least of these. This is what a true encounter with God looks like. I don't care what you do with me, God. My sin has led me to the darkest places. I recognize you're the only one that can give me new life. Jesus, you're so different. Please take my life, use it. And I'll tell you what, there's no strings attached in that moment. And here's where we marvel. Not because the son is significant, not because the son's outstanding. Here's where we marvel. Here's the posture of the father. The, po the father says, he father, father can already read the son's heart, see the dialect in, uh, in his position of his heart. He just says, hey, Stop. Stop. Shh. Shh. Ah. 
father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They're partying, they're partying. The father gives the best again. The father gives the best again. The father gives the best again. Where's the fulfillment of all this? The fulfillment of all of this is Jesus. All of this is Jesus. Jesus is talking about himself. And you're getting to understand the heart and the kingdom of God as he's sitting there with the tax collectors. And he's talking to the Pharisees. And he's trying to receive them. And you see this throughout the whole Old Testament. I was listening to Rich Wilkerson Jr. last night. He was talking about how even Jonah in this moment is similar to the older brother we're going to read about. The older brother's outside watching Nineveh revival. God has moved there and he's a little mad about how it happened because God wanted to reach this pagan city. God wanted to reach these broken people. Come on, God. Why you got to do it that way? I've been serving you for a long time. Do we have to celebrate them in that such profound fashion? Why do you care about these lost things? Why can't you celebrate us more? We can celebrate them a little bit, but we don't have to go lavish and extravagant over these dead things. And to understand the gospel, you got to understand the heart, the nature of God. He loves the poor. He loves the broken. He loves loves all people and he's trying to get to the most desolate places because it shows his beauty the strongest. He's trying to show where everything's dead, he can make things alive. That's what he does, I'm telling you. And, and here's where we start to miss it is we actually start to think we're not like the younger brother. That's one of our first mistakes. One of our first mistakes is I am not as bad as him. Sin is equally as bad. A little bit of sin, it separates us from God eternally. That's the bad news. And the good news is so liberating that God can respond like this. And then in verse 25, now his older son in the field, he'd been working a long day. This guy is showed up to church. He knows how to put all the lights together. He can put all the first impression. He's out there greeting people. He knows what to happen. He's doing everything that is required to make sure he is accepted and he's in the father's house. He's a rule follower to the T. He follows the rule manual and he should deserve all of the greatest things because in life, it's kind of annoying when the squeaky wheel gets the most oil. It's kind of annoying when the broken people always get the best things. It is kind of annoying. And, and think about yourself for a situation right here, right now. Who is the person that if they came back and they've done so wrong to you, maybe you would let God celebrate them, but you would not want to go to their party? I could think of some situations. You know, I don't want to celebrate them as much as God wants to celebrate them. So what we find is we relate to the older brother a lot too. We think we deserve something. God, I've been here. I've been serving you a long time. God, I can't understand why you're not showing up in my family and stopping the sickness or this illness. I can't understand, God, why you're not providing for me with a job. God, I can't understand. And here's what he says, and this is what made me cry. I was on a treadmill, I was listening to this, and I was thinking about this. It was a Stairmaster thing. And I'm at that executive workout state where it's just so humbling. You watch the guys play basketball and you're just not there anymore. And everyone's like, why don't you play anymore? Because they're better. And, um, and my ego can't take it and I'm mad. And, and if somebody says, hey, you wanna play? I'm like, you don't understand. And I'm like, I gotta go. And um, that's seriously what happens all the time. I'm like, hey, what's up? I was like, seriously, I, I just can't play. I get so mad, so mad. Basketball was my God. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit, when I remember when I got engrafted in, when I became in the family, when God welcomed me home, it was like a kiss from heaven. God is so specific. This is what he does. And he wants to do this for you today. A kiss from heaven that said, hey, this is better than the NBA draft. I was like, what? Yes, better than the NBA draft. 
for real. And it was just the greatest miracle in my own personal life that God was showing up so custom. Holy Spirit speaking to me, this is better than the NBA draft to be accepted in the kingdom of God. The older brother's missing this whole truth that it is better than anything he ever thought. He thought that by serving, what, at some point, I'm going to get this stuff. I'm going to get to drive the car. God, can I have the business? Dad, can, when can I have the money? I've been working. I've been going hard. I'm hard in the paint. In fact, my brother, he's been defiling the name. I've had to answer to so many people in the town that don't like him, and now they question me. We look alike. Let's say they look alike. Right? He's always taking the ridicule. He's always sticking up for the family. And when you hear about the brother coming home, it's like, pump the brother, right? I can relate to this dude. Can you relate to this dude? We can say, yeah, celebrate the party. Here's the thing. The older brother's missing it. The older brother has the Pharisee heart. It's like Jonah watching Nineveh. It's the Pharisee heart. It's the whole issue of sin. Sin is broken every which way and all around. doesn't matter how you shape it, how you phrase it. And the father says this, your brother has come and your father, or the, the, the servant says this to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in and his father came out and entreated him. But he answered the father, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command yet never gave, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours came, who has devoured your pro property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And here is where my soul just lit on fire. And I pray today, this is where our soul lights on fire today. It's this end of this chapter. And he said to him, here's the father speaking, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. In that moment, you know what it does? It recalibrates the older brother and said, what are you talking about? Anyone that's a parent knows what it's like when your kid just asks you for things, when you just wanna know that your kid loves you. And you'll determine if the kids should get those particular things in that particular moment or not. Because you know what's better for the kid. You're thinking what's better for tomorrow. You're not thinking about what's just here for today. And God's saying, hey, wait, you actually had everything, but here's the thing that you had most. We had each other, you had me. And everything I had was always yours. Everything, all that I had was yours. And I remember just pausing and bawling. All that I have is literally everything I need. Doesn't matter what money I have. Doesn't matter what places I go. It doesn't matter if my family is having all the desires that I want. It doesn't matter if my kids can go to this school or go to this place. You know what? It doesn't matter if we have a nice house. I'll tell you what, we have all we need. And sometimes when we have nothing, that's when we found out the very thing that we wanted is all we ever needed. And that was God, the very moment. That's it. I'm telling you, that's the great, that's the great moment. And so what you find is in this story, here's where you find as we land. You find in the story is this. The story is not about the brothers and the one repenting and coming back home. No, 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 no. The story is not about the older brother just being outside. The story is about the father. And as we kick off thinking about all of me for all of you, the story this morning is not us coming to God saying all of me for all of you. Mm -mm. It's God showing us, look, all of me. 
love, forgiveness, kindness, mercy. All of me you get. Are you kidding me? Forgiveness, mercy, love, kindness. All of me you get. New life, eternal life. All of this you get. You get it all. All of me. Just give me all of you. It's better. And you know why he can make such a request? He can make such a request because he has the authority and the power to do so. And we have to get to a place in our life where we say, I need a savior. Sin has so infected me that I can't make myself right. This is the gospel. And the good news says, look, though I was dead in sin, now I'm alive in Christ, made new, all of me, for all of him, all the time. And I have all that I want. That's the perspective I need more of. That's the perspective you need more of. Our family needs more of, our job needs more of, our homes need more of. The answer to every question that we've ever wanted to know is the gospel. The answer to every issue in our hearts is the gospel. The answer to every uh, racism and stereotype and constant prejudices is the gospel. Because once we understand that as we lean in, I'm broken and you know what? I, I, I'm not above any person. I need all beggars to come back home. I'm a beggar trying to show more people where the bread came from. I was starving and God gave me life. I was broken and God gave me life. That's the, that's the exchange. That's what takes place. So it's super raw. This message is super raw, super real. This isn't just some story. This is awesome. This is everything. It's so liberating. And I pray today we would leave nothing, nothing, nothing behind without letting God be in control of it all. And we wouldn't hold on to one thing, not just hide in our pocket. Just take just one little piece for ourselves because life's hurt. Just one little piece for ourselves. I got to keep one thing. I can't tell him I love him because my friend let me down. My cousin let me down. My job let me down. Society's let me down. The president's let me down. So God doesn't let us down, period. So this morning, we marvel at the heart of the father. The heart of the father that finds somebody that so betrayed him and he runs with compassion and celebrates them. Today, can you find that new forgiveness? I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been, but this is the realest thing you'll ever hear, that Jesus is the answer to your solution of what you've been wanting. He's the answer to your list that you've been thinking that you needed, and he's the answer. And what he can give you, if you give, you, if you give yourself or just really honestly just receive his grace, he'll give you new life. He'll give you new things. He changes everything. He's the game changer. We talk about Super Bowl tonight, man. Forget about the Super Bowl. God is the Super Bowl. God is everything. We can watch the Super Bowl. We can eat some wings and now we can enjoy it in the gospel. And it's beautiful. But as those football athletes go all in, I'm telling you, when we go all in, we got something greater. We got a crown that won't perish. We got a reward that can never be taken. We got eternal life that won't be shaken. So it doesn't matter how we die. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what struggle we face in this side of the world. We're looking to our hope. We're singing through the pain. We're crying out, we're wrestling. We're saying we need each other. That's the beauty of what this offers. The beauty of what this offers. So let's burn it all. Find forgiveness today at the cross. And the older brother heart that's in us that doesn't wanna celebrate somebody or thinks that person is too messy. Those friends in our mind that we think they're too far gone and the ones that have hurt us so bad that if they came back, we wouldn't want to celebrate them in such a way that the Father would. I pray today that as we marvel at the Father, that it would transform us, that we would connect so deeply with what God cares about to receive, eagerly await, eagerly await sinners, me and you. So let's quit comparing sin. Let's jump right in. Let's find people's flaws and we'll tell them this, love stays and love runs too, right to you and sits there says, hey, let's show you more of Jesus. Let's show you more of the solution. 
show you more of the love, the compassion, the freedom. This morning, I want to pray uh, for us that we're people, it doesn't matter where you're at, if you're convicted or challenged, um, uh, look, it just, if you want prayer, you can just raise your hand and it's, it's cool. If you want prayer, okay, cool, I see, it's cool. That's awesome. And um, uh, my hand's up for the record. And I look at the Father, I don't got all these attributes. And uh, if you just keep lifting your hand, I believe the heaven's gonna meet you where you're at. Jesus, you see these hands. You know forgiveness that needs, you know adjustments that need. We're not perfect. We want more of you. God, you're the one saying all of me. Thank you, God, for that request. Take all of us. Let this be the foundation to our life. Let us not build rooms and houses on top of you without remembering you. Let's keep you through the DNA. Let's keep you through the electrical system. Let's keep you in every fabric and every fiber of everything we do. God, unless we labor in vain and forget you. God, today I pray that your loving kindness would meet your children where they're at that the lost sons would find a celebration today, a party as they repent. And I pray that the older brothers that are a little mad would quit trying to be rule followers and do everything perfect and just tune into heaven's frequency. Celebrate what you're doing, God. That we would jump on the bandwagon of heaven. What a picture. God, help us kick this off today all of me for all of you. I pray that you meet each person that has deep pain, that has found so much hurt in their life behind every door, every road, every relationship. Today, you would just unravel. You would undo. You would fix. You would make things new. And as we come just saying, God, use us in any way possible and then you take us in as a son. You throw a party for us today. Help us receive that freedom, receive that grace and live in a way in our community. We thank you for the message of grace. We thank you for the truth that you bring. We thank you that you are a great leader that we can trust for salvation and we can trust you as a Lord to be our coach, to be our commander in chief, to be our leader from high to be our great shepherd, our great father. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.